Fellow knowledge seekers, I hope you've had a chance to check out the Waterline podcast on iTunes and your Android app. And if you checked it out, please give it a good rating. It's a wonderful podcast. Water is one of the biggest driving forces of life on Earth. It's been incredibly influential in human history from the time we were hunter-gatherers looking for fresh sources of water to the uh, uh, agricultural revolution and building bigger and bigger cities eventually having plumbing uh, the way that it changed sanitation uh, irrigation and what is the what's the future of water are we going to have enough of this stuff how can we make more clean fresh water i just listened to a very interesting episode alchemy turning milk into water sustainable water management this episode is all about this very candid conversation about water coffee industrial practices sustainable value chain and social responsibilities with uh this man carlos uh galli who Uh, whose job it is to make sure that the biggest food and beverage company in the world is leading a healthy and sustainable lifestyle. Incredibly important stuff. You guys are into science. You guys are into learning, caring about the world, caring about our future. This podcast is for you. Check out the Waterline podcast on iTunes and your Android app. Hey everybody! I'm so excited for today's guest. I've been uh, I've been after this guy and emailing his people for like nine months now to make this happen. So I hope you appreciate it. I appreciated him giving me the time. He's a very busy guy. He's uh, his site headspace.com. His guided meditations and on there are, are blowing up, and he's all over uh, doing TED talks and and um all sorts of like morning shows and all all those sorts of things busy guy gave me a little bit of his time and was just as cool as i hoped he would be and so if you didn't listen to the outro of of last week's program i i told you to go to headspace.com if you've never tried meditation before and try there there's a a 10 um, meditation trial you don't have to sign up or anything after that you can keep doing those free 10 over and over again um but anyway if you've never ever meditated once before i think it would help you appreciate this interview a little more if you even tried it um one time if you went to headspace.com and even just watched some of their um, animations um, kind of explaining meditation through a series of metaphors and and try one of the 10 minute guided meditations it's just 10 minutes it's all free to do and i think it will make this conversation make a little more sense for people out there that have never once tried um, meditation but anyway uh that's merely a suggestion thanks for tuning in and enjoy today's episode are we yes where are we here why are we here not entirely clear we are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all it's immensely bizarre here we are hello everybody welcome to here we are today i am exceptionally 
um, uh, pleased that I was able to uh, uh, get uh, this is a guest I've been after for some time now and I was, I was finally able to uh, lock down a date and um, as my regular listeners will know meditation is something that I've mentioned um, quite a bit on the podcast and often um, kind of in passing we haven't really done an episode about meditation yet but I've often mentioned um, this app that I use get some headspace and today I have uh, the founder and former monk, um, Andy Puttycomb, with me. Thank you, Andy. For it's a pleasure. Me. Thanks for thanks for having me on on the show. So I am still pretty new to meditation. I'm about a year and a half into Headspace. Yep. And probably disclaimer, just for the listener, just so you know, because I am going to be raving about the life changing <laughs> effects that it's had. I don't have a basis of comparison. I haven't yeah. ever tried any other kind of meditation. Yeah. And, and we're not paying you to say this. Uh, and things, you aren't paying me to say this. <laughs> and so I actually found it through, I was, I was, um, and I've told this story before on the podcast, but I was, uh, doing, I was in CrossFit and, mm. um, and there was this long, two-month-long thing with all this a very restrictive diet and a specific amount of exercise each day and all yeah. this, and, and you'd get points for each thing, and okay. it was a very regimented system. And But each week, they would have you try some practice, like okay. journaling or making sure you get eight hours of sleep in a night or yeah. X amount of water in a day. And one of the weeks, they uh, they had us meditate, and okay. they're like, "If you aren't familiar or anything, okay. here's here's a app that you can check out." Okay. And now I had never met it. I had thought about it. I'm I'm from a small rural town in Wisconsin, and to me, um, yeah. the idea of meditation, like my upbringing, was yeah. I was surrounded with like a very like kind of macho mentality yeah. and. Yeah. We're men and we not don't a lot of room feelings. for meditation. No. <laughs> and uh, to me, it was like it was almost like um, you're talking about Ouija boards or yeah. something like that. If you're talking about meditation, <laughs> and this is when I was young, you know. Yeah. And then I I got older and I I became a lot more open minded to it. I had some friends that did it and stuff. But at the same time, I was like. Well, sit and do nothing. I can do that better than anyone. I could, I could teach monks about it. Just ask one of my ex-girlfriends how, how good I am at sitting around and doing nothing. So I just didn't, you know, I didn't know what it was. And mm. so I tried Headspace and it absolutely changed my life. Have you, have, I mean, what's it been like introducing, uh, I mean, one of the things that I love about Headspace mm. is I was worried I was going to listen. There's going to be a, a bunch of chanting and a lot yeah. of talk about chakras and stuff that I definitely wasn't open to <laughs> um, at the time, and it would have made me a bit yeah. skeptical. So, so what's the, the process been like? You're a, a, a former monk yeah. who is kind of trying to demystify these yeah. stereotypes of, of meditation. Mostly incredibly exciting. Yeah. Um, challenging as well, of course. I think when I... If I think back to when I left the monastery, it was probably maybe like 12 years ago or something now. I left my time as being a monk. And I remember talking about it then, and it hadn't quite happened. You know, there's been this kind of wave of interest around meditation and mindfulness in mainstream media and culture and now in tech and celebrity. Like some, something has happened, I think, particularly in the last five years. I'd like to think we're, we're kind of part of that. Um, but there has been a movement anyway. But kind of 10, 12 years ago, people were still laughing about it. They were still thinking it was, you know, it was about 
bald-headed kind of monks in the Himalayas. And admittedly, with my haircut, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing a lot to dispel the the, the myth. But um, you know, I, there was it was definitely a much more difficult conversation then, and I was having to work a lot harder. But that's really it was through that kind of work, I guess, that we started to distill the message. Um, so it was, I worked in a clinic, um, a mainstream kind of health practice back in the UK. And it was people who had kind of depression, anxiety, insomnia, high blood pressure, that kind of thing. And it was alongside kind of traditional medicine as well. But I was very fortunate. I got to work with people. I'd see them kind of for an hour at a time over 10 weeks. And I wouldn't say they were guinea pigs, but I was kind of essentially practicing what worked, what didn't. So taking everything I learned at the monastery as a as a monk, finding out kind of the length of time that was going to work for people over here and kind of... Yeah, what kind of language and what kind of tone and really kind of refining the the, the message. Uh, and and so so you weren't born with this voice of an angel. You you well, crafted it. Over. Well, the, the, the voice you is do mine. Have the absolute <laughs> best voice you I could possibly have for <laughs> for teaching meditation. I don't know just... about that. My, my my voice that's down to my parents. I can take no credit for that. Um, but the the language, like a little yeah. bit of work, has definitely gone. I think. The, the funny thing is, you know, to begin with, I thought there was an idea like, you know, okay, it has to be like, and then I, I met um, Rich, who's the co-founder, of the other co-founder, and we started talking, and we kind of started out with this idea or this brief, if you like, of, okay, so how could we talk to our, our mates in the pub about meditation right. in a way that they wouldn't laugh, and how could we talk about it in a way that they wanted to try it? And that just essentially means being ourselves. Like, so for Rich and I, we're just a couple of regular kind of guys. Admittedly, like I went off and did the, the monk thing and everything. But other than that, we're just kind yeah. of regular guys, you know. And, and so I, I think that's part of why Headspace works because we're not trying to be something weird or different or mystical or esoteric. We're just a couple of regular guys. It's just the practice. It's just the practice. It's all about yeah. the practice. And because that does... Um uh, that helps clear it up because I was like, how did he go from, because it, it almost, how long were you a monk for? Um, well, I spent 10 years kind of training, you know, okay. so I started as a lay person, um, but living in some monasteries and then uh, uh, trained as a novice monk. And then I took full, full ordination as a, as a Tibetan Buddhist monk. Okay. Because it, it just seems like, um, it would be hard to go from. Uh, weren't you in some yeah. monasteries meditating like 18 hours a day or yeah like yeah that? so that absolutely that insane. would have been a, a huge jump you know and then yeah. uh, to, to go from doing that to to figuring out how to how people can yeah get um use out of just 10 minutes it, yeah and in fact until we kind of started putting headspace together I'd never sat for less than an hour. I didn't even know if meditation worked for less than an hour. Like, I genuinely didn't. And there was no science around it at that time. Fortunately, the science has come out kind of, you know, over the last 10 years to show that actually it has much more to do with frequency than duration mm. and that we start to see changes well within 10 minutes. So, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it, it, was, it would have been a really big jump to go from that kind of lifestyle straight into, I don't think I could have done it. And I have to say as well, uh, a really important part of my rather unusual, increasingly bizarre resume is um, is a stint at, at circus school. And although that may not sound like the obvious kind of post-monastic um, career choice, 
Uh, for me, that's a really important part of what we do now. And not just because sometimes I use juggling kind of in, <laughs> yeah. in my talks, you know, but because, again, you know, if you sit for a long time, you know, you be definitely become quite a little bit shy and a bit introspective maybe. And I think going through a two-year kind of full-time course of of theatre and dance and acrobatics and it, it kind of brought something back out in me which I'd had before I went into the monastery and which I'd kind of lost touch with a little bit whilst I was there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to talk a lot about how, um, be, because this is another thing that you kind of don't realize, or I certainly didn't realize when I started, yeah. of meditation just being about, okay, sit for 10 minutes. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. And then and then you have the rest of the day and, and you don't think about it or whatever. That's and, it. and, and really the, the real change is when yeah. you start applying mindfulness absolutely throughout the day. And I'm still, I mean, it's helped me so much, but I still struggle with it all the time. Even, yeah. even like I know when I do these interviews yeah. that, um, I mean, I, I like that idea of, of just kind of being focused in not, and not working so hard all the time yeah. and just kind of applying attention to things. And it's difficult to do. Like even, even right yeah. now, I'm like, I want, I'm going to talk about meditation <laughs> as hard as I can. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and, uh, but definitely the outcome is better when yeah. you can just kind of focus. I rock climbed for a long okay. time and, and it was also around the same time that I started meditating. Yeah. I started rock climbing. And I learned kind of the same sort of lessons yeah. um, applied to that. And I, I think we can see it in, in every area of life. You know, if you watch, and obviously these people have kind of refined the skill of whatever they do, but whether we look at art or music or sports, if you look at any of those things and look at people who, I don't know, it's almost like they've gone beyond their craft. They, they're operating at a level where it's just, beautiful to watch they are completely at one with what they are doing there's no sense of kind of effort like if i watch if i'm watching a bit of football a bit of soccer or something and i watched like like lionel messi from from barcelona and he's playing football and he's making everybody else on the pitch just look like amateurs yeah. you know and it's because he's he plays in such a kind of a relaxed way yeah, and I mean, you watch old Michael Jordan videos. Exactly. Of, it, it's like there's one second left, and he's shooting from half court, and it's like he looks like he, yeah, he just, the look just on his face is like he's having like, a cup of tea or it, something. It, exactly. Like and, and the beautiful thing about I think that really encapsulates that idea of, of being focused, but not in a heavy way. Like, mm. it's, it's relaxed, it's light, it's easy. And, and this idea of being mindful and being present, like we've all experienced it in our life. It's just that typically it comes and it goes, and we're like, oh, that felt really nice. What was that? And we don't know how to get it back. We don't know kind of how to extend it. And, and really through meditation and through the, the consistent regular practice of meditation, we start to get a, a greater familiarity of what it means to be present, and we're then able to apply that to whatever we're doing in everyday life. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I found that that's the difficult thing to explain to people that I have trouble explaining. To, like, yeah. I want my mom to start meditating. Yeah. She has a very uh, stressful job, and she makes it harder than it needs to be and is, yeah. like, a bit of a perfectionist and everything. And I tried, I've tried to get her into meditation, and... And I just can't explain it to her. She's, she's like, I relax just fine. Yeah. And, 
it's like, no, you, you work for 14 hours straight and then collapse. you're incredibly, yeah. And you get home and you, you go to watch TV and you collapse yeah. on the couch and you yeah. pass out from exhaustion yeah. and that's what you think relaxation is. Yeah, yeah. is. And it's kind of, it bums me out a little bit, you know? Well, you see, it's a really interesting one because there's, there's that one. And there's also this idea that we have to wait until we're already kind of, as you say, exhausted or stressed to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I come from a, I was definitely brought up in a home where like prevention was definitely kind of talked about a lot. So we had sort of acupuncturist kids and stuff, not just when we were ill, but just to kind of stay well. And the, I guess where I'd like to see meditation move towards is rather than kind of using it as a, an aspirin type approach, kind of, oh, I'm really stressed out, I'm going to do some meditation. Instead, kind of moving towards sort of more like a a vitamin or vitamin uh, approach where people are doing it on a daily basis so they don't even get to the point of feeling so stressed that they need to do something about it so we're simply living life and we're living more skillfully and we're not getting caught up in the thoughts not getting overwhelmed by emotions and consequently the body tends to function a little bit better Right. I was along those lines. I wanted to ask you, um, it, you're a father now and yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, um, what, it, how old is your, uh, it, he, you have one kid? Uh, one, yeah. One son, one son. Uh, called Harley. Um, and he turned, um, he turned one just last week. Oh, okay. So looking forward in the future, like, mm. I, you know, I look back now that I meditate, I'm like, oh, I wish they would have taught this in school or something yeah. like that uh, it would have been so nice to have some experience in my childhood yeah. what what age what do you see like the future is this something you you see teaching grade schoolers or and, and how do you yeah how would how will it be different do you yes. know have you ever have you ever tried to teach yeah. children meditation well so i i started myself when i was 11 so mm-hmm. i started with with my mom um when i was 11 years old and i found it hugely beneficial at that time um since kind of teaching meditation i've never i've never really taught younger than five six years old Mm. um and the current app certainly isn't designed for young children but we have parents writing in all the time who say my four-year-old is is listening to this when they go to bed at night or and they're really enjoying it um so we started to put together kind of headspace for kids and we put out a pilot um in schools in in la and and seattle uh, the pilot's finished now. It is different. It's significantly different. The Obviously, the length of time is very different, but also the feel of it. So is it just a few minutes? Or? It's there three minutes each. Okay. Um, and there are either some that are designed to be done still, actually sitting down, so meditating. Um, and then there are some that are designed to be done in a more active way, so it's a more kind of application of mindfulness. And the results were way beyond our kind of wildest expectations i think um that's great we went into one of the the schools to just just to kind of speak to the kids and to to join in and i was genuinely blown away like afterwards we kind of talked about it and you got all the usual kind of things you know the kids would have they were seven to nine year olds and they were saying they felt kind of soft and relaxed and calm and more focused and all the things you'd kind of want to hear but at the same time, they're also kind of saying things like, oh, our teacher joins in. And the thing we really like about it is our teacher doesn't shout at us as much anymore because she's, <laughs> she's not angry all the time. And the, the, the teacher's kind of looking really embarrassed in the corner of the room. Um, but there's, 
<clears throat> I think the beautiful thing with awareness, which is what we're talking about when we're talking about meditation, mindfulness, it's just awareness. Kids spend so much time in that space already. They don't have all the baggage that we have. They don't overcomplicate things. Mm. So to ask a child to meditate is the most natural thing in the world, and they take to it so quickly, and I am still amazed at just how quickly they get it because they're not thinking about it. Right. They're just doing it. Right, right. And, it, 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 and so we, 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 to, we think about it too it's much. It's so crazy. You know? I'll be like, I'll, I'll be meditating, and, you know, I'll... I'll know that i'm distracted and yeah. you know okay i'm just gonna i'll have those distracting thoughts and i'll try yeah. to let them go by and you know it, and you know it might take a few minutes to warm up and then all of a sudden i'll be like i, I feel like i'm really getting into yeah. this space <laughs> yeah. i'm like oh i'm doing it and then the second i'm like oh you're doing great i'm yeah. like oh man <laughs> now you're thinking about how exactly. good you are at exactly this. <laughs> exactly and that reminded me of when I was in that classroom and we were doing a, a three-minute meditation together and there were a bunch of teachers and the head teacher there and, and the kids. And outside, about halfway through, this kind of jackhammer started kind of going in the car park. <laughs> and I could, I could see like, all the teachers kind of started to sort of twitch and kind of, you know, really uncomfortable. And, um, and afterwards, I, I asked the, the, the kids, you know, just asking questions. I said sort of, how did you find that the, the noises distracted you? And they all just looked at me completely confused and just said, what noises? And for them, like, it didn't even interfere. And for adults, we're, we're striving for this idea of stillness and perfection and quiet in the mind, which mm -hmm. is actually quite different from a natural sense of stillness. And so we think this thing, this noise over here, is interfering. It's getting in the way of our, our, our stillness in the mind. <clears throat> but it's not it's it's just this sense of kind of, of of overthinking it of resisting it right rather than just allowing it to be as it is no the kids were just kind of like eh, it didn't bother us at all yeah it was really yeah. amazing to see the difference yeah that's interesting because i i mean i was even i was even thinking about th this kind of very idea uh a week ago mm. i was in uh in florida and i did my first float tank okay um, yeah and I, someone came to a show and had a had a business and gave me his card and then it hooked me up with a yeah free um float how'd and you find it i i loved it i yeah. um i i did two hours which i guess that's, is that's quite uh, long for a first uh, one yeah, yeah yeah and uh and it went really well but you know it, it probably the funniest thing that I noticed was I would be because I was I was trying to apply some of the meditation exercises mm. and I, I, one of the most exciting things was I was scanning down my body like yeah you know we always do in the meditations and yeah. and um, noticing what's comfortable and what's tight and you know and and I didn't notice a single thing that was uncomfortable yeah. or tight in any way. And that, and that was really nice. But then, yeah. then I was like, I found myself being like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice just to have a float tank and you could have this every, yeah. it's like, rather than just enjoying <laughs> this moment, I'm thinking about it, like um, yeah. all the times in the future that I yeah. want in like this weird, unrealistic of all the things that I want in my life. A float tank is real <laughs> far down on, on the list, but rather than just appreciating that I get so this true. right now, it's so true, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. It's, yeah. And, uh, and, and then it's made me just aware of, even when I'm experiencing negative things, like I remember in May, um, it was strange. I, it, whenever I find myself being more mindful and, mm. uh, and aware, like I remember I was going through, um, uh, just a little bit of a rut for like a week, mm. um, a week or two. And I remembered, and I was just like starting to date again and stuff. And then I, and I remembered there was this point when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm lonely right now. And I've been in like these long relationships. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I haven't been lonely yeah. in like 12 years. Yeah. Like I spend a lot of time by myself and I'm just used to it, yeah. I guess. I have a lot of issues and things, but it, loneliness isn't one that I experience yeah. very often. And when I felt it, I was like, I was almost excited. Yeah. I was like, I'm lonely. <laughs> like, it was so but strange. that I, I think that is, I, I love that as a as an idea i think that the recognition like so much of our our internal struggle and suffering arises out of confusion right. of, of not knowing and it's like we feel frustrated but we don't know why we feel frustrated we might feel frustrated because we feel lonely but we can't identify what right. that is what that feeling is so the beautiful thing about awareness is that it it allows us to see clearly it gives us clarity and there is there's a the the realization that with a small r that that comes kind of with that kind of discovery it it releases kind of something in the body which it's like excitement yeah like, yeah oh my god this is what it is it's a, it's like um to me it, it sometimes feels like i'm on an adventure like yeah. in my own mind like yeah. making these new discoveries about myself and and yeah. that's that's an exciting part to me and i also like too the um you know one of the one of the bigger lessons that that i've taken away from it so far is is kind of just this idea of you aren't your emotions. Yeah. You know, your emotions are kind of happening to you and you don't have to hold on or resist so much and just how, how yeah. passing and kind of transient these different emotional states are and these thoughts and ideas that we have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we constantly try to own them. Uh, we are always, you know... A th thoughts arise or emotions arise in the mind and we we tend to either grab hold of them and get really involved in them and really encourage them kind of mm -hmm. stimulating them almost fanning the flames uh or we tend to kind of not like the look of them and so get involved in resisting them instead and so we're always involved in either pushing them away or pulling them towards us and that's really kind of tiring and and yeah meditation kind of teaches us that or shows us how to step back far enough so we see these things. They come, they go. It's okay, you know. We we let them go, and it's, I mean, it's it's just a different kind of feeling when all of a sudden you just feel yourself step back yeah. and you're observing rather than experiencing. Like yes. that feeling yeah. is just amazing. Yeah, the for me the analogy is like you know it's a difference between if it's a really kind of heavy storm or something like that. Like, you know, it's a dark night and the rain's hammering down. It's a difference between being out in the storm and kind of getting blown around and you're soaking wet and you're cold and sitting just the other side of the window looking out at the storm and it's an amazing thing. The lightning's going and you can hear the rain and, you know, you're in the warm, you're watching it, you're still experiencing it, you're still seeing it, but it feels so different. Yeah, yeah. And so one of my... One of my favorite examples of this and what I originally wrote you yeah. about on, on yeah. Twitter is, is last year um, I was I was out for a hike and I was uh, uh, I ended up 
I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I was big into rock climbing and everything, but I was just hiking at the time and I was disappointed I didn't get to go rock climbing that day. And so I was trying to get my adrenaline fix and I was just kind of goofing off too much and jumping right. off of things. Where were you? What, what I was in country? Sedona, Arizona. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so hiking around on some red rocks and I, I jumped off of something that was a bit too high. I wasn't planning on hiking that day. I was wearing bad shoes and everything. Oh, no. and. And I, um, I broke both of my heels, and one of them exploded. Uh, it was, it was real bad. I cannot and, even imagine. And it was, like. uh, it was incredibly painful. And, and I, but there was, and and it wasn't. I mean, I certainly, I, I can't say that that meditation helped me to like not experience any pain or anything sure. like that. It was, it was absolutely incredibly painful. But. Um, but I've I've been through I've had injuries in the past mm. and I've experienced plenty of of um, physical pain in the past. I used to do like skate park stuff and, yeah. and things like that. And and it was and this is the most serious injury that I've ever had. But it was yeah. also my um, best and and kind of most different approach than yeah. than times in the past. And it's just at the time it had been like four months I'd been meditating yeah, and I was just able to, um, observe the pain a lot more. I still, it would come in waves of, of just course. like unbearable, of course. um, pain, but, but then I was able to sit back and, and kind of watch it sometimes and notice these different yeah. thoughts that I was having. And I mean, even I, I was with a buddy at the time and, and right when it happened, I mean, I, I, uh, I heard my feet break. It was, it was, it was real. Wow. Sorry, listeners that yeah. you had to just, I just made you cringe like that, yeah. but I knew what happened immediately. Yeah. And I mean, part of it also might've been shock, I'm but, sure. but right away I was, I just turned and I looked at my friend and I was like, I just broke both my heels. And I said it just like yeah. that. And, and he thought I was joking yeah. because I, I seemed like very relaxed about it. But it was, I was just able to kind of assess the situation. I knew, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to crawl for a while down this mountain and this is, uh, and this is going to suck, but okay, just, I was able to, for about five minutes at a time, yeah. I was able to just be mindful and, and yeah. do what I needed to do to yeah. get out of there. And then I'd have to spend another five minutes just sitting there in pain yeah. and just taking it for a yeah. while. Yeah. And and it was the worst day of my life, but it would have been a lot worse had yeah. I had I not um, been so mindful and had so yeah. much training. And not only that, but some of the good and silver lining that's come from it is that I I made a um, a stand up album um, all about it wow. uh, called My Big Break. Remember, listeners, if you haven't <laughs> downloaded it or read it on iTunes, go and do that. But it's it's some of my best work, and yeah. also you know I, I go around and I'm typically talking with um, academics and yeah. uh, a lot of like psychologists and 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 that experience gave me a lot of a lot of different things to talk about, and one of the reasons why it gave me so many different things to talk about was because I noticed so many different yeah. things that yeah. my head was going through, yeah. whereas normally it would have just been like this sucks, yeah this. It is just horribly painful. Yeah. Instead, I noticed all these like, 
It, like I even, as soon as it happened, I noticed this is just, you know, that there's endorphin release as well. Yeah. So there was like a small part of me that felt amazing. Pretty high. As, yeah. those, uh, yeah. as those endorphins. But I don't think I'd ever noticed that before. No. And I'm sure I've had plenty of those endorphins yeah. in, in past injuries. Yeah. But I never noticed like, oh, there's a small part of me that actually bit feels of, amazing right yeah, now. Yeah, a bit of adrenaline. Too, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so it's just... Uh, it, it kind of uh, that, that's one of the things I like to tell people about when when yeah. um, explaining to people that this is something that you use in the yeah. rest of your life. And so you you went to hospitals and clinics and and taught meditation to people, um, right? You were saying that. Yeah, earlier. yeah. I, I mean, I worked in a clinic for probably about three years in in London, um, and since since then, um, we've actually started to work in a in a bigger way as well. Um, with organizations like Dana Farber out here in the, in the US, so working with cancer patients um, and just trying to, again, to provide people with the tools that will enable them to live in a way which gives them kind of peace of mind, no matter what's happening. And I think that's the important thing. Like meditation isn't going to change your life, it's not going to stop bad stuff happening it's not going to stop your heels breaking if you yeah. jump off a high rock if you're terminally ill you know it, it, meditation exactly. can't perform some miracle no, and I, make you know you look, forever yeah right. and and you know i I've, I've gone through through cancer myself and it's something i really kind of related to and and i think that no matter what's happening in our life to be able to see it in a different way that defines the experience it Honestly, it doesn't matter what's happening in our life. Of course it does. And not to negate that suffering. But like, if we can turn our perspective around in such a way that we experience that situation in a fundamentally different way, then it is a different experience. Like, it just is. And all of a sudden, something like cancer, so, you know, look, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was pleasant, kind of, you know, having cancer. But I look back on that now and I see that as a, really genuinely one of the most wonderful times in my life i i wouldn't change it for the world so what what happened can we talk about this a little bit sure, so, like, so yeah. i i didn't know that you yeah. uh had cancer at one point yeah, just after i moved out here actually out to to the u.s about two two and a half years ago oh really yeah i had um testicular cancer really so i lo lost one of the the crown jewels but hey yeah. Oh, the other one just picks right up for you. And, exactly, and you so. know, he's hanging solo. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah it, two is just more bouncing around well, down there anyway. It, it's kind of a waste, you, you know, <laughs> yes. like one's enough. And, it is. Uh, yeah. I, I found out too, like uh, when that happens, that the other one will just pick it. Like you, you still yeah. are releasing just as much and everything. It's like, yeah. well, it just makes me feel like now I have two underachievers. Yeah. Is, what it, <laughs> <laughs> is, is how I feel. Um, yeah. So, but that's an incredibly tough thing. And as, yeah, I mean, this is tricky. something that you know men have nightmares about. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. and so so what happened? Like, I mean, what was that? like getting the well it was certainly something i'd never even considered you know and it's a kind of a young man's disease as well so i kind of thought you know how old are you by the way um 42 okay um definitely on the old side to be kind of having testicular cancer and typically as i say it kind of happens people in their 20s early 30s um and so you know i took that as a compliment when the doctor said it was a young man's disease <laughs> uh, so yeah i take that um 
But I, yeah, we we come out here. We'd only been here about six, eight weeks, something like that. And so, you know, I brought my wife out, and you know, we we're trying to find a home and everything. And uh, we we're actually going away for for the weekend, and we had um, our niece staying out with us, and we we're going down to Palm Springs for the weekend. And uh, and I woke up one morning, and yeah, just one one of my without going to you know too much detail for your listeners, but um, like basically one of them was kind of at least twice the size of the other one and mm. i was like yeah this is this doesn't look good you know but i kind of felt bad like we'd arranged to go away for the weekend so i thought okay look, i'll just get everyone in the car we'll drive to palm springs i i dropped them off at the hotel and just went straight to kind of to the hospital wow. i said oh look you know look, it's nothing i just need to go and get something checked out and i went there and yeah they they looked at it and they were like wow okay this is really bad like you need to get see someone in the next 24 hours and they didn't but in the UK, like it's very different. They'll they'll send you to somewhere to someone, whereas out here it's a bit like okay, you need to go and see kind of a specialist. And we just moved here. I didn't know anything. Unfortunately, we had a really kind of good friend who, by chance, just happened to be in Palm Springs themselves that weekend. I called them. They said come down here now. They got me an appointment the next day, and I was operated on about five days later back here in LA. Mm. So it it happened like really kind of quickly. And then what happened after? Was there like chemo or anything? Yeah, so um, so I had the the first operation, and then the um, the surgeon um, the the recommended kind of course of action was to have a second um, surgery, which was to remove the the lymph nodes sort of through the the stomach. But it looked kind of, it looked pretty brutal, and um, and then to have kind of chemo as well. Um, so I started kind of shopping around and seeing other doctors and trying mm. to find doctors <laughs> who were, um, you know, were willing to take a slightly less kind of drastic approach. And because I felt pretty well in myself and um, I reckon we went through maybe about six doctors and eventually I found a doctor who was kind of willing to play a bit more of a wait and see approach. Mm. And I wasn't keen to go down the chemo route anyway. So we flew up to Seattle and we met this this doctor he's a, a real kind of expert in this field and um yeah i don't know we're we don't take anything for granted but we're, we're two and a half years kind of on now and uh no reoccurrence kind of yet so kind of moving into the safe zone that's that's great it's, to hear this is great um and and so how when going through something like that how yeah. would you say um you know meditation in your practice helps you yeah, well, obviously I've not gone through it without the meditation, so it's hard to kind of compare, right. but I I think the biggest thing was was probably being okay with uncertainty. So if meditation trains us for anything, it trains us to be okay with not knowing, you know, and not having all the answers. And I think when we're in that kind of situation, the mind wants answers. Like it's jumping ahead, thinking worst case scenarios, or it's jumping ahead, mm -hmm. wishing it wasn't like that, or it's thinking back, thinking, you know, did I do something? Or, and I didn't really have that kind of kind of activity in the mind. The mind was generally, I would say, kind of not all the time, you know. Um, I'm still very much human, but like most of the time, the mind was quite happy, just kind of being present, kind of with what was going on, which is why it was such a kind of enjoyable time in a way. A bit of time off work and, you know, it was your time with a family and genuinely it was a it was a very positive time. There were there were maybe two or three days, I think, between the time of uh kind of 
diagnosis and an operation where they thought it was a lot more kind of further advanced than mm. it turned out to be where definitely the the mind was a little less willing to just be present and, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and you know and it was it was kind of screaming a few kind of uh, warning warning signs but but mostly um i think yeah just that willingness to to be okay with things as they are in this moment as they're happening and and yeah not leaping ahead too far into the future yeah that's interesting because it reminds me of um of, of a lot of stress research like there's this mm. uh guy robert sapolsky who i like he wrote a book by um why zebras don't get ulcers that's right yeah have you ever uh i've, read I've, it I've heard of it i haven't read uh, it I've well it, yeah. so so the thrust of the book is basically this stress response system is that it is, is kind of the same in every mammal and yeah and uh you know it just goes back a long way so it's the same as us and as it is in basically anything else and so a zebra what happens is uh sees a lion and this stress response system kicks in and there's this hormonal cascade that kind of directs energy to uh the parts that need it so yeah. it's like right now we don't need to worry about digestion yeah. we don't need to worry about uh, the sex drive. There's no time for an erection. Yeah. You know, let's just get all of <laughs> yeah. the energy yeah. to to the legs, and let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, the reason why the zebras don't get ulcers is because after this stressful event, yeah. they just dial it back down, and it just goes back to normal. They go back to eating grass, and exactly. they're present again. And yeah. humans, the problem with humans is yeah. we we can't we have the same stress response that is built. Uh, that is it was meant for getting away from a lion yeah in that moment <laughs> when you need to run yeah and now we have the same stress response when we're thinking about our 401ks e- exactly you know exactly and um and and i think that's that's one of the major health benefits of, of finding ways to be present it really is it reminds me of a, a study that was done it was some of earlier study that was done into to meditation and they got a couple of uh of meditators in a in a lab and one was practicing more kind of mindfulness type meditation and one a kind of a, a deeper kind of concentration type meditation and unbeknown they they were kind of hooked up to eeg stuff and unbeknown to the meditator someone came into the back of the lab with one of those big gongs you know and, and gave it a massive kind of whack and it was really interesting to, to look. So the person who was really kind of in this con- state of concentration, there was no recognition even of the noise. So they were kind of out of it, which isn't, if we think about it, like in everyday life, it's actually not that useful a state to train the mind. It might mm. feel nice for the time we're in it, but if you're at work and your boss really wants your attention and you're just completely kind of zoned out, that's not going to really kind of help us very much. Interestingly, the person who was practicing mindfulness, so... They heard it, all right. There was a mm. massive kind of spike in activity, but there was also an immediate drop, and then they just carried on as though nothing had happened. And I think ordinarily in life, like things happen, they trigger a massive spike, but rather than falling away, like we stay at that elevated level. And it might take us a day to come back down, a week, sometimes even a month, you know, of high-intensity stress before we're actually able to kind of come back to that state where we kind of feel at ease again. So mm. there is learning how to kind of you know again not to run away from what's happening in life still to experience it but to be able to let go of it i think is a really powerful tool yeah that's uh that's interesting i I mean i think yeah a lot of times we 
hear that gong noise, like uh, getting ready for bed or whatever. <laughs> you, you, you have some stressful yeah. thought, and then yeah. and then all of a sudden, it's not even that thought anymore. It's now you're <laughs> concentrating on how you can't sleep. I had I had this neighbor. Um, I lived in Malibu for a while, and one of the last neighbors that lived under us just every little noise at yeah. night just drove her crazy we wouldn't be like having a party or anything like that yeah. we'd be literally just walking yeah. in our house and all of a sudden you'd hear like banging <laughs> the broom the handle the broom. <laughs> yeah. it's like uh, we're not keeping you up yeah this is in you this yeah. is this is you hearing one little noise and yeah. get getting yourself so riled up do you think running to the broom closet and all yeah. of a sudden you're slamming this thing against the ceiling which doesn't bother us we can barely even hear it it's like well there's that great we're not yeah. going to change our behavior yeah. and and this is just what what people often do to themselves they yeah. get in this vicious feedback loop we do some crazy things to ourselves you know really like when and I, I the journey of meditation i think is I remember one of my teachers kind of saying to me kind of in you know people talk a lot about enlightenment enlightenment is just kind of seeing our neurosis and being okay with it mm. and i think the journey of meditation the more we do the more we kind of see what we do to ourselves and in seeing that we start to understand why others kind of feel and behave and say the things they do so hopefully we start to generate a bit of empathy and compassion around that as well and in time we get to see our neurosis with such clarity that we're okay with it it doesn't right. bother us anymore and therefore a lot of the the uncomfortable thoughts and emotions tend to decrease and subside because the mind is no longer, it no longer gets excited about those things. So it no longer kind of encourages those things in the mind. Hmm. And what was it like going from applying mindfulness in a monastery yeah. to <laughs> all of a sudden going and, you know, living, skip forward a few years and you yeah. have, uh, a wife and a kid and you have a business and yeah yeah i could tell just from trying to get you to the, do this interview that you yeah. have a much busier life than what just kind of sitting in a monastery <laughs> that's uh, for sure <laughs> sounds, sounds like yeah big difference so how do you i mean how do you feel like i, I mean i guess there's no way of telling yeah. but but that seems like that would have been an odd transition in your life to go yeah. from uh, almost not that much stimulation to all of a sudden having this very busy schedule. And Well, there's, there's a couple of things to that. One, um, I didn't go straight from the monastery. So once the, the monastery, um, once you finish a certain amount of kind of training, then they get you to teach. So I actually went from the monastery to Moscow. So I was living as a Buddhist monk. Uh, but living in Moscow, teaching meditation in a Buddhist meditation center in Moscow. So I was living in a city, but as a monk. So I was kind of, the, all the, the usual stuff was going on around me. Um, but I was still kind of living the, the life of a, of a monk, if you like. But I guess the second aspect is the mind is the mind, you know. And it, in a way, it doesn't matter. In the same way that when I, when I first left to go to the monastery, I assumed that I would... I would arrive there and I'd sit down and I would experience this blissful kind of mind with no thought, free of emotion, just kind of... Oh. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and of course I discovered quite quickly that, oh, shit, my mind's come with me, you know, and I was experiencing all the same anxiety and thoughts that kind of existed there in the mm. first place. And in just the same way, if, if we find a 
a degree of a, of awareness or whatever you want to call it kind of in a monastery it's not that you leave that behind at the monastery it comes with you and the mind out there is the same as the mind here and it, it definitely like once life becomes you know once the diary gets really full you know it takes a little bit more effort i would say to kind of uh still a an, a gentle kind of effort but it takes a bit more effort to really kind of maintain that stability of awareness through through the day and when the baby's up in the middle of the night as well to just to maintain that is definitely a bit more difficult than just sitting in a monastery kind yeah. of with your eyes closed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure um but that that's it certainly makes you a lot more accessible and relatable yeah, i think i think uh, so you know if, if, if i if, life. if i was saying to you know through through the app kind of what's your problem just, just, just sit down and enjoy enjoy the quiet just mind for 12 <laughs> hours in a I, I don't think we'd have quite as many users right right <laughs> you know i i do wonder if um because you have this business and you're making all these uh, you're doing all these guided meditations and you're teaching yeah. meditation does that affect how you meditate? Because I often find myself getting distracted when when I'm meditating. Yeah. I'll I'll be like, I'll have like a thought about meditation, and yeah. I'm like, oh, this is this is great. I want to <laughs> I, I, I want to yeah. tell people about this or or talk. Uh, you, you know, l leading up to this interview, I'll be like, oh, I want to talk yeah. to Andy about this, and and then I'd be like, oh wait, no, you're not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, do you have those? Um, I mean, certainly when I'm sitting to meditate, you know, I experience thoughts and, um, you know, sometimes they might be related to, to, to work or whatever. I, there's nothing that I experience that feels so important that I have to kind of capture it. I know, but I, I think that is simply as a result of having sat for many many hours right. over, over the years uh, you know i remember at one point kind of experiencing so much of that, that i thought okay well the only way i can deal with this is to get a notepad and a pen and then i would you know and i'd stop and i'd write it down and then that just got ridiculous because it was kind of you know i was spending half my meditation time just kind of writing stuff down right and i think eventually kind of the mind i don't know either the mind settled down or the mind became less interested in the thoughts that arose and and there are very few thoughts that arise in my mind, kind of personally, that are going to change the world. Um, <laughs> and, and so I kind of, I just kind of felt like, I don't know, uh, they they don't tend to to disturb me in such a, the same way as they used to. Yeah, Maybe. well, I mean, because this is something that I struggle with personally, and I, and this is just my own ego and narcissism, where I'm meditating and then I, and then I'm like, oh, I think of a, like what I think is some amazing yeah. joke idea or yeah, something and i'm like i don't want to lose no, this i get it i this get it like, like <laughs> it's like be like throwing money away or whatever and a lot of times yeah sometimes i'll just stop yeah. i'll write it down and i'll start it all over again yes. i'll just start from the beginning and that works out pretty well for but me when, that's when it's great one of those ones when it's just like i just can't let this yeah. go i it just won't it won't even let me when i want to it just keeps on bouncing yeah. back and so one thing you can do with that and um a way uh, my teacher taught me uh, for that was to so if you if you experience something that you feel like oh my god like this this is this is an important one like I really need to remember this one um, if you kind of attach it to an activity afterwards so you're sitting there you're doing your meditation and let's say it's a it's a joke that right and you mm. and you, it's a killer you know and you think <laughs> oh no you know okay so if you 
just briefly pause in the meditation. You don't have to change your posture. You don't have to open your eyes or anything. You just think, you know what you're going to do after the meditation. Maybe it's, I don't know, going to have a cup of tea or maybe it's go and brush your teeth. And you just associate the joke with brushing your teeth or having a cup of tea and then let it go. There is, this worked for me really well. When I then went to do that activity, I was reminded of what it was and it enabled me to let go of it in the meditation, to continue my meditation, but to still kind of have it there after the meditation. Wow, that's a great idea. That was worth me uh, uh, coming, coming here. That, that was worth me starting this podcast <laughs> okay. to hear that. That, that. that will help me out um, Good. Out a lot. Yeah, that's, that's another one of the things that I still struggle with, and I uh, it took me the kind of the longest to really get and start using it is is this idea of uh, of kind of the warm-up and the cool down yes you know of, yeah. of uh I, i'd be like all right i'm gonna sit down and meditate now yeah and i'm done and then and yeah. you know then go off and and do whatever else and it just took me forever and i mean yeah. it's something i'm still working on yeah of especially i do the warm-up okay yeah um and that that I can handle, but uh, the w- once the meditation is done, I don't know yeah. if it's because I usually do uh, you know the twenty minutes rather yeah. than the ten or the fifteen. I don't know. It, it's definitely the times when I am the most antsy during yes. the meditation. That yeah. when it's done, it's like, all okay. right, I'm picking up, done. I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, it, that's a hard thing to get away from. And it's an interesting one because the um, so the entire headspace uh kind of model or system of learning as we kind of call it internally is kind of based on on three parts and the first one is is the view so if you think about the like a typical day listening to to the app there'll be kind of i'll be chatting away to you at the start of it just introducing kind of the idea the theme and then there's the exercise itself and then there's a little bit kind of at the end as well and it really reflects the way it was taught to me which is kind of unless we approach the meditation in the right way then we're not really gonna kind of get the best out of it you know if we rush into it thinking okay right now time to be quiet okay so probably the mind is still going to be quite active so part of that talking to begin with is actually just helping guide your mind to a place where it's kind of comfortable and at ease with the meditation itself then there's the practice so there's view and then there's the meditation itself the practice um, where we're actually applying the technique. And then there's a the third part, which is action or integration. Like, How do we then take that newfound awareness and apply it to the rest of our life? And you mentioned this this earlier on, you know, like meditation might only be 10 minutes. So what about the other 23 hours and 50 minutes in the day? So the idea of the, the little bit of kind of teaching or conversation or whatever you want to call it at the end of it is really just to try and aid that transition but you're absolutely right we know so many people kind of they get to the end of the meditation it's kind of oh that was nice okay right done and (laughs) on with my life and then 10 minutes go by and it's like oh oh yeah i was supposed to kind of maintain that quality of mind and so you know we're 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 always kind of looking at, at how we can improve that for for the user and to to help and ease that transition you know whether it's giving you kind of reminders throughout the day but um i think it is such an important it's such an underrated thing that other 23 hours and 50 minutes right you know it becomes all about this 
And in the same way, I would argue that like, different if you do rock climbing or something like that because there's an enjoyment. But most people who go to the gym, for example, mm-hmm. most people don't go to the gym because they love going to the gym because it's so great to be inside running on a on a treadmill. They do it so that they can feel fitter and healthier in everyday life and in doing other activities. And in just the same way, I think meditation, look, it's great that it feels nice when we pause, but it's really then about how do we get to make the most of that and benefit from it and other people benefit from it by applying it to the rest of our life. So, yeah, I, I'm really keen to kind of uh, put more emphasis on, on that. Yeah, and you uh, you know you have a lot of uh, depending on like what what part you're in and whatever series and yeah. and, and and for the listeners there's there's a million different after after you do the um, the kind of beginner yeah. um, course and get the fundamentals then there's there's a whole bunch of series for different aspects of relationships and stress and productivity and and just a whole bunch of different categories and there's sleeping meditation is there one for waking up in the morning (laughs) by by the way i I feel like this should be i feel like this should be yeah yeah i don't know we have to um, start the day like because i have a i have a real hard time yeah i had a hard time getting out of bed this morning and i was excited to do this i know i know i've done i have i've definitely done like waking up ones i think we've probably done them for partners that we've worked with like for airlines and things mm-hmm. like that um i don't think we have one in thanks for the reminder yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that that's in the app all right awesome yeah. that's fantastic you just inspired a new one <laughs> <laughs> um and, and uh you know but what i like about so so as an example one of the things will be to throughout the day try to as as you're going from a a sitting to a standing position or standing to sitting down being mindful of that which by the way is cruel torture how hard is that how hard hard. it's just like then you go and you do to the app the the (laughs) next day and you're like oh i didn't do that once i didn't do that one single time yeah but um but then you do a little more it's it's just incredibly hard to do but i do like that there's those little things that you can apply through the day and i think that's Mm -hmm. what um meditation is kind of stumbled across in um in in learning the way that Mm. we are taught to learn in school is that you read as fast as you can and you cram as much as you can and you listen to these lectures one after another and and you just pack in as much as you can in there and in meditation you're doing the exact opposite you're yeah there's like a minute long lesson yeah um it's no like uh, it's it's very tight it's very concise yeah a minute long (laughs) lesson in in the very beginning and then you're kind of sitting with that in the meditation and then you're hopefully trying to apply that throughout the day as well and it just you process it so much more that way it's kind of that um some people call it diffuse thinking or just this is how our brain remembers stuff yeah and uh and and i i think that's part of what makes um meditation uh work so well but um oh and and this is one of the other um things that i thought was interesting was was the idea of of uh of these kind of emotional habits that we have Mm -hmm. which once we do become aware yeah of certain things 
that even if it's like a negative emotion that all of a sudden you're becoming aware of and you're like, oh, that that isn't that big of a deal after yeah. all. It's hard for us to let go because we're yeah. so used to living with this. Exactly. I, and, I, and I think it's really important when we start out on the journey of meditation to recognize these are this is some pretty fundamental programming and conditioning of the mind we're talking about. These are tendencies and habits that have developed over a lifetime. So they're not going to kind of change overnight, or very rarely will they change overnight. But through consistent practice, we, we do kind of learn to, to let go of them. I think specifically in relation to the, the negative kind of emotions we experience or the emotions that we tend to kind of identify with as being negative. I think over time, it's less positive and negative. They're just kind of emotion, you know. But to begin with, I think there is this tendency to make the emotion our own. So we experience anger and it's like, I feel angry. I'm so angry with this or whatever it might be. And then over time, it's a bit more like, uh, say, I'm, I'm angry. It's just, well, there's anger. There's, uh, maybe not even, anger's an idea. Like it's, it's a label that we've kind of come up with. So there's a sensation. Okay, this is, I can say that. There's a sensation. There's a feeling of heat maybe. Or there's a tightness. And so all of a sudden, we've gone from a place of I feel angry, which is a very kind of, one, it feels very personal, very kind of isolating. Now you're an world. angry person. I, I, exactly. Yeah. And we've gone all the way to, oh, that's interesting. There's a sensation. The difference like as a life experience, moving from one to the other, not just in anger, but around all our different emotions. That really is, like, I think life changing is, is so overused, but it is life changing. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it, it's made a huge difference in my life and we, uh, we should start wrapping up in a minute here. Um, uh, first off, before we um, kind of uh, start wrapping things up, uh, could you, uh, what is the uh, charity of the week, the nonprofit of your choice that you'd like to plug yeah so the one i would i'd like gives me great pleasure to plug uh a charity called rockpa it's r-o-k-p-a and it was set up by the abbot of the monastery in which i trained and it, it was started to specifically look after um children um is education kind of healthcare in nepal and tibet um, over the years, they've expanded a lot, and they now work kind of in lots of different countries, including sort of South Africa. And they, what I love about Rockpa is, I think it's, it's either 98 or 99 percent of the the money raised for them actually makes it to the project itself. So there are only two people worldwide who are actually paid a salary. Everyone else is volunteer. And I've seen hospitals, I've seen orphanages, I've seen schools created built from the ground up and functioning in and i met the kids and i've seen it firsthand and i just think the work they do is is amazing all right well um it, listeners you can go to here we are uh, podcast.com and if you uh, check out andy's episode you'll see a link down at the bottom for rockpa that you can go and find out more there and um as we're wrapping up so let, let's assume that um, that the person listening to this right now has um, maybe never meditated before and, yep. and, and never heard of Headspace. 
Um, so they can go to getsomeheadspace.com. They can just go to headspace.com. Oh, headspace.com. Get, okay. get some headspace will still work. So we, yeah. for, a, for probably about the first three years, we used getsomeheadspace.com because we couldn't afford headspace.com. <laughs> and, then, and then we bought headspace.com. Oh, doing uh, quite well <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> Actually, we got it really cheap. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, you can go to headspace.com or you can just download the Headspace app from iTunes or the Play Store. And can you talk a little bit about just what the introductory sure. is? So... First thing, if you've never done any meditation before, it's really important. So Headspace was designed for people who don't really do meditation. You know, it's it's very much with that kind of person in mind, you know. So it starts off with something called Take 10. It's a, it's a free 10-day program, um, 10 minutes a day for 10 days. So even if you think meditation kind of might not benefit you, like give it 10 days. Mm. Just see. Test drive it. Like, see if it makes a difference. I think 10 days is long enough. And watch watch some of the videos, too, that Andy's Definitely. made. Because those are pretty essential. And I think it just helps. He just has a lot of wonderful metaphors that kind of just help um, make, make the understand the ideas a little better. Well, there are some really nice kind of animations and things that are with those metaphors that are baked in to take 10. So as you go through that program, you'll be introduced to, mm. you'll be introduced to those. And then... Look, that Take 10 program, that is free forever. So you can use that as often as you like. And we've had people, users kind of use that consistently over several years. Um, but if you get to the end of the 10 days and you kind of think, oh, actually, I'd like to learn a bit more. I'd like to kind of do a sleep pack or, as you say, a relationship pack. Then you can you can subscribe and, and get access to those things as well. Which I highly recommend doing. I, I just renewed my second year uh, a few months ago, and, and um, I very much enjoy it and look forward to doing more of the packs. And what do, what's the Twitter handle for you guys? Um, um, at Headspace? So, yeah, it's uh, well, actually, the, the, the Twitter handle is, is at Get Headspace still. Okay. Um, we couldn't we, afford that. We, 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 <laughs> no, not, not doing that one. He, yeah. he doesn't want to sell it. He doesn't want to sell it. Um, or yeah, on, on Twitter, I'm just I'm just Andy Andy Puddicum. All right, fantastic. So. Well, thank you for your time, Andy. It's a pleasure, man. Everyone, Thanks so much for having me on. Make sure and check out Headspace.com. Thanks. Thank you guys for listening. One thing um, we forgot to mention on the program that I wanted to um, to say quickly was that. Uh, one, Andy has three different books out. I read one of them called Get Some Headspace. It's, it's the first book, and it's just um, a general. I found it to be, um, I, I wish I would have read it earlier in my meditation because I, I found it uh, to really help me understand it a little bit better and help clarify a few ideas for me. And it's, uh, it's it has improved my um, guided meditation experience since I've read the book. It's pretty quick read, very, very um, easy, accessible read. Extremely, I know I say that a lot with, uh, with uh, some of the scientists, and then you might find some of the books a bit challenging. This one, real easy read. Anyone's going to have no problem getting through it in no time. Um, you can check that out. And he also has uh, The Headspace Diet and A Mindful Pregnancy. Um, so if, if those are things you're interested in, you may want to go to Amazon or, um, wherever or your local bookstore or whatever, and check that out. And, um, also I wanted to mention that, that at headspace.com, if you do end up, um, uh, getting a subscription, um, to headspace, what they do is they have a program called, um, 
get some, get give some. And so everyone that, that gets a subscription, for every subscription that they sell, and uh, I forget what the price is, it's, it's pretty cheap. Um, I just renewed my second year subscription. Um, bargain, best bargain out there. Uh, but anyway, for, for every subscription that they, that they do sell, they give one away to um, public schools, um, you know, for, for, uh, for kids. They, they, go, uh, they give them away to, like, um, uh, prisons and all sorts of, like, kind of nonprofit organizations and people in need. And it's just kind of a cool thing that you're doing just by um, subscribing to their product. So I wanted to mention that. Anyway, next week on the program, I, I was, um, when I was going through Baltimore a few weeks ago, I stopped by the University of Maryland to talk with Bob Provine about the evolution of, of uh, laughter, essentially. He wrote a book called Laughter, um, which is just like the scientific investigation into laughter itself. Not what makes things funny, um, why, why we laugh, how we evolved to laugh, um, what the purpose of laughter is. Oftentimes, you laugh at things that aren't funny, and it's kind of social lubricant and, and that sort of thing. So um, re really interesting discussion. He also wrote a book, Curious Behavior, Yawning, Laughing, Hiccuping, and Beyond. Um, he was kind of an odd uh, dude, and I, I liked talking with him. I didn't necessarily agree with everything that he had to say, and I think that's uh, good and interesting and made for a really good podcast. So make sure and tune in next week for Bob Provine, and I'll talk with you guys then. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Yunt. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> suicide Buddies. <laughs> That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century, mm -hmm. and he uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. He's, like, I mean, if yeah. you lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> 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 That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a <laughs> bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a I don't know what you want from me. And, uh, my, and my girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. Help people. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my <laughs> 